Hi, Wine Delusters, and today I'm speaking with Lauren Connolly. Welcome to the Wine Delusters podcast. My name is Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra, Australia. In this season, I'm talking to 12 specialists from the wine industry and the travel industry and asking the hard-hitting questions we all want to know leading up to Christmas. What to serve, what to buy, and where to go on holidays. So pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I discovered Loz on Instagram last year and I love the work she does. Her posts are great in being super generous, sharing tons of wine information, wine tips, tricks and trivia. She's also the director of Wine Nerd, using her knowledge and skills in wine and digital marketing to help wine businesses grow. She's very well qualified with her Wine and Spirits Education Trust 2 and 3 certificates as well as a Bachelor of Business and a Master's in International Business. She's a Brisbane girl born and bred and a very proud Queenslander. Welcome, Loz Connolly. Hi, Loz. Now, first up, can you tell us how you got into wine? Gosh, that is definitely a a question. So I've loved wine. I've loved drinking wine for many, many years, since I was 18. And it slowly started to evolve into something I was more and more interested in. So I'd be the one at the restaurant asking the sommelier questions like, can you tell me more? How do you pronounce that? What does that taste like? And then it kind of clicked for me that, you know, life's short. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. So because I worked in education and learning and development, my first go-to was to start educating myself about wine. And so I started I enrolled in the WSET, so the Wine and Spirits Education Trust training programs, the hardest thing I've ever studied for. And it was harder, it was harder than my master's degree. It was very intense, but also the most fun I have had. And that just solidified the fact that wine was where I wanted to be because study didn't feel like study. I would look forward to the next chapter, the next class, the next tasting And so then I just decided to do a complete career pivot and um, immerse myself in the wine industry. That is a lot of study. I've done my two, but I haven't gone into my three yet. Don't let it scare you, though. It's intense and it takes a lot of time. So I was studying on my lunch breaks at work, before work. I did my exam two weeks before I had a baby. So (laughs) I was heavily pregnant doing these wine tastings and spitting it out, obviously. But, you know... You can, you can make it work. Yes. Yeah. So, that is so satisfying. Oh, good. But I'm also a big nerd, so yeah, <laughs> I'm possibly yeah. the wrong person to ask. <laughs> and you know what? Um, my pregnancy nose really helped me in my blind tasting oh. exam because your nose is so amplified when you're pregnant. So even though my tasting wasn't probably as good as it could be, I just wrote down I could taste whatever I could smell and that worked. Congratulations. And so now you've yeah. um, got your own business and you run social media and digital marketing for the wine industry? That's right. Yes. So I started Wine Nerd officially last year, but it's only really been ramping up this year. And so, yeah, so I support all different wine types of wine businesses, so wineries, wine importers, distributors, wine educators even, and basically in increasing their online presence and communicating with their their wine community out there and growing their community as well so that they can share more of what they do with more people, which is great. 
And that's my job. I have to pinch myself sometimes. That's so fantastic to turn your hobby into a business. So congratulations to you. That's really great. Thank you. All right. So the big questions. Mm. Firstly, so what would we find on your table on Christmas Day? Okay. I had to give this a bit of thought, but for me, Christmas Day is all about being with family and sharing. So my general go-to is a large format champagne. So whether it's a Magnum or a Jeroboam or even bigger if I can get my hands on it because there's just something really special and exciting about opening a really big bottle of champagne and sharing it with everyone. Yeah, something that's just really festive. You don't do it every day. So it's it's quite special. And then I also use the empty bottles as well in my house. So I plant indoor plants in them. I've got a I actually have a Nebuchadnezzar in my office, which is 15 litres. Oh, wow. That, that, that was an event. Uh, and that's got fairy lights in it now as well. So it's just nice. It's a nice memory as well of the time when you drank it and who you drank it with. So what sort of event did you have that at? So that was actually at my husband's annual um, conference for his business. So as his business has been growing each year, each year at the annual conference, they buy bigger and bigger bottle of champagne to share with everyone and so that particular year it was Nebuchadnezzar time so even trying to pour, pour that yes. is you know a logistical so 15 would be very heavy yeah it is well, even the empty bottle is very heavy there's a lot of glass and so they had to ship it you know to the conference area in a big wooden box it was yeah it was all very impressive and then when my husband realized I wanted to bring it back with us the empty bottle he was like oh Loz really and I'm like yes this is happening so <laughs> keep the memory alive fantastic that's great exactly <laughs> a dish on my table at Christmas day is it's all about the platters for my family so we like to just graze and chat and sip on our champagne so we're all about the cheese and like those summer fruits with your mango and passion fruit and all of that and those flavours go so well with the champagne. It's just like they're meant to be. So we pretty much just eat platters all day. Oh, that sounds <laughs> great. Day. Now, do you have a go-to gift for your wine-loving friends and family? Absolutely, yes. I do give wine-related gifts a lot. People have come to expect that from me. So I have kind of two main go-tos. So if it's like a normal, you know, normal birthday or something like that, you can't go wrong with a set of universal wine glasses. So whether it's your Riedels or your Zaltos, um, just a set of two is fine. And that just means that that person can reach for that glass at any point and know that whatever wine they're drinking, they can enjoy out of it. They don't have to understand the different types of glassware and try and match which wine to which glass. It's simple. And I've found that everyone I've given it to uh, uses them a lot. That's definitely one of my go-tos. Then if it's more of a milestone birthday, so my husband turned 40 this year. So I hunted around and found a 1981 Barolo. Wow. So a birth year of wine. It took some hunting, um, but there was just something really special about opening a bottle of wine on his birthday that was made the year that he was born and really seeing how that wine had evolved in the bottle over, I won't say all those years because he's not that old, but you know what I mean, <laughs> over that amount of time. Yeah. So birth year wines are always like a really special gift. They can just be a little tricky 
to find. So, but they're, they're worth it. So did you go through like auction house websites? That one, I was just very lucky. I had been looking for a little while and um, and I picked Barolo because Bordeaux in 1981 was not a good vintage. Mm. So they're pretty much the two, my two go-tos in terms of buying an, an aged wine because those Cab Sav and Nebbiolo will age really well. Yeah. Um, but Bordeaux wasn't a good vintage. Barolo was a good vintage in Northern Italy. And I've been keeping an eye out from a, from reputable reputable sellers. You want to know what kind of life that bottle of wine has had, how it's been stored. They can be a little bit expensive. And if you're going to invest that money, you want to make sure you have at least half a chance of it tasting. Yeah. <laughs> how it should when you open the bottle. I already have bottles put aside for my daughters. So my daughters are only two and six. And so I've already um, bought a J.L. Sharp Hermitage for my eldest daughter that was born in 2015. So the plan is to keep that for her 18th birthday. So that's just tucked away at the back of the wine fridge with a big note on it that says, do not touch <laughs> under any circumstances. <laughs> and then with my two-year-old, we're still waiting for those those really good vintages to actually be released like they're all still in barrels doing their thing yeah that's sort of some my husband thinks I'm crazy buying wines now but I'm like well oh no, no. I know exactly how they've been stored yeah exactly so Loz with Australian wine regions have you got mm-hmm. one that you love to visit or that you've had a fun experience at that you'd like to share absolutely so I think with Queensland having our borders closed for a lot of the last 18 months, we've really explored our state so much more than we ever have before because, you know, we've always had the world as our oyster and suddenly it wasn't. And um, and we realised that we are very, very lucky to live where we live. And we have the Granite Belt, which is our local wine region, only sort of two and a half hours away. And I definitely, I've been before over the years, but I've been many, many more times recently. And their wines are exceptional out there. They are making some incredible, incredible wines. That, and I think as well, outside of Queensland, Granite Belt is still a little sort of underrated and unknown. So I agree. I think it's a little hidden gem up there that a lot of people don't know about. It absolutely is. And I think when people go out there and they taste the wines, they're very surprised. They're almost thinking, you know, oh, Queensland, I didn't even know you make wine up there. That's a lot of the comments that they get out there and then they go, wow, this is very good. I'm a big fan of and a big supporter of the Granite Belt. I I love them. (laughs) And finally, when international borders open, which wine region would you like to go to or to revisit again? Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about wine, um, about borders opening again. So I'm turning 40 next year. That's my big milestone year. And my husband said to me, if you could be anywhere in the world, if everything's open and you could be anywhere in the world, where would it be? And I knew exactly it was the Etna wine region in Sicily. I am obsessed with wines from Etna at the moment. They are just my absolute love. And I actually have a Sicilian heritage as well. So my maiden name is Zagami and the Zagamis came from Sicily and I've never been before. So we've actually booked our flights. We were like, let's just book it and keep our fingers crossed that everything's open by July next year. And then we'll be in Sicily drinking 
oh gosh, an Etna Rosato or a Norello Muscalese or something very exotic sounding on the side of a volcano. The Rosato that they make from their red grapes is exceptional. If you see an Etna Rosato and you like something that is, you know, strawberries, cherries, crisp, refreshing, that's, give it a go because it is beautiful. That sounds like a perfect summer wine too because it'll be summertime over there then. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Loz, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking with you. My pleasure. It was so much fun. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. Go to winedeluff.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and hear of all upcoming events, news, and merchandise. Until next time. Happy wine travels.